This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by CARP, a new vision of aging. Support CARP with your membership today. Visit carp.ca. Good afternoon and welcome to the Zoomer Week in Review, all things Zoomer worldwide. I'm Libby Snymer. When was the last time you updated your driving skills? With the increase in collisions that disproportionately hurt Zoomers, we have, pardon the pun, a crash course. And just in time for Christmas, an in-depth look at the role of religion in our society. But first, here are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. France has been hit with the largest strikes in decades as workers protested pension reform this week. They're being compared with 1995 protests over changes to the retirement system when the country came to a standstill. Then, after weeks of protests by two million people, pension reform was dropped. But many now fear that under President Macron's new universal retirement system, they'll have to work longer for less even though the official retirement age in France is 62, one of the lowest in the world. In Paris alone, 300 schools closed because of the strike action and 6,000 police officers were deployed. The Supreme Court of Canada has refused to hear the last-ditch appeal of 95-year-old Helmut Overlander, who worked as a translator for a Nazi killing squad in Ukraine and Russia, lied to obtain Canadian citizenship, and went on to a successful post-war career as a real estate developer in Kitchener-Waterloo. This is the fourth time the government has tried to revoke his citizenship over two decades after the federal court found he entered Canada fraudulently in 1954 by failing to disclose his wartime past. Oberlander's case underscores Canada's difficulties in prosecuting atrocities from the Second World War and the fears that this country had become a safe haven for aging Nazis. Three times the decision to strip his citizenship was overturned by the Federal Court of Appeal. With today's ruling, there are no further legal avenues of appeal. Imagine a blood test that could spot whether you're aging too quickly. New research analyzing plasma from 4,200 people could point the way to it. The scientists found a link between 373 proteins and aging. Their findings suggest that physical aging doesn't occur at a steady pace, but is uneven and has three distinct surges ages 34, 60, and 78. At those ages, there are spikes in levels of specific proteins in the blood with noticeable changes. Eventually, a blood test for these proteins might be able to identify people who are aging more rapidly than normal and are at increased risk for age-related conditions like Alzheimer's disease or heart disease. The study is in the journal Nature Medicine. Critics say, bah humbug, but environmentalists are applauding a move by a primary school teacher in the UK for banning students from sending Christmas cards. Jonathan Mason is okay with being called a Grinch and says the Christmas tradition that many Zoomers grew up with is just bad for the environment. 
Some parents are outraged, calling it hypocrisy. The teacher shot back that the manufacture of Christmas cards around the world is contributing to our ever-growing carbon emissions. I'm Libby Zneimer, and those are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. Do you ever speed? Do you have trouble seeing cyclists and pedestrians in the dark? If the answer is yes, those are just two of the many reasons it could be time for a driving update. Winter is here, and so is National Safe Driving Week. Expert driver Alex Kelly dropped by with tips to improve our performance on the roads. One of our first big snowfalls, we saw 400 collisions in the first 24 hours. And so this is certainly something that people need to be mindful of this time of year, especially with darker afternoons and evenings and inclement weather on the roads. And certainly for uh, our vulnerable road users, whether they're older uh, pedestrians or any other road user on our roads. Is it just a matter that, you know, we forget? Uh, what winter driving is like every year? Yeah, great question. And uh, certainly in a climate like Canada, this is something that happens every single year. And uh, recently with Onlia, we did a consumer survey and actually found that a quarter of Canadians don't report actually putting on winter tires. And over 75% find it very difficult to see pedestrians and cyclists in the dark in the evening. And so while we get winter every year, this still is striking people by surprise. How important is it to use winter tires? It's extraordinarily important to use winter tires. They really help you grip better. Uh, They help your reaction time and being able to stop in case you need to, whether it's somebody darts out in front of you or there's a collision up ahead. And all of these things will help you get to where you need to go and home again safely at the end of the day. What about those all-season tires, does that cut it in Canada? So all-season tires certainly give benefits for colder days, but then they also help you out in the summertime. So it's sort of an all-purpose job. And when you're really looking at those very, very cold temperatures and really getting traction on slippery roads, the the winter tires are going to be the ones that are actually designed for those, those inclement temperatures, and that's what's really going to be helpful. Okay, so get the winter tires, even if you have the, quote, all-season tires. Some very interesting things I saw in your survey. You said that almost 80% of Canadians speed. Yes, this was certainly something I've worked in road safety for a very long time. And uh, it's it's frightening to hear that, that over 80% do speed. And oftentimes they identify it as an inadvertent uh, speeding. So they don't even realize that they've gone above the limit. And again, certainly any time of year, speeding is never going to be helpful to keep people safe. But certainly in the wintertime, you need that reaction time. You need that slower speed to really prevent um, a, a potential collision. And I think one thing that's very interesting, especially for your listeners, is that we actually found that Canadians over 55 are the age group that's most likely to admit that they speed. And so okay. again... I had a question about that. Yeah. So maybe they're most likely to admit it, but mm-hmm. but I would not say not necessarily the most likely to do it. Yeah, great distinction. <laughs> and uh, that's the thing is this is all self-reported surveys. And I think that we all have an anecdote of seeing somebody out on the road. And it is something that even with this survey question, people 
uh, commented that it was that inadvertent speeding. And so people probably don't even realize that they're speeding. And certainly in Toronto and a number of other municipalities where we're seeing the speed limits actually come down, people may think they're going the speed limit, but they're just not actually updated on sort of changes within their community. You mentioned that three quarters of us admit that it can be hard to spot pedestrians and cyclists at night. They're wearing dark clothes. They're not necessarily crossing at a light or a crosswalk. Do you have some tips for that? One of the things here is to always be prepared. So know that it is getting darker at night. And certainly when that clock does change, um, it really can wreak havoc on your commute. So know that it is getting darker and really staying distraction free if you're behind the wheel. So, you know, whether that's changing the radio or checking your cell phone or plugging something into your GPS, all of those take your eyes off of the roadway. And that's that split second when somebody may enter into your path or your lane way. And certainly as well, this is a busy time of year with people going to parties or shopping. And again, knowing that there's a lot more people out on the roadways to slow down and go that speed, because again, that could be the difference between life and death. Alex Kelly, thanks so much. Thank you. That was Alex Kelly. You can find more tips at onlia.ca. As we head into the holiday season, the Christmas season, there's a fascinating new survey on how Canadians view religion in public life. We're divided on the question, and our views don't necessarily depend on whether we are believers or not. I took a deep dive with Dave Krasinski, lead author of the research from Angus Reid. There are competing perspectives on faith in Canada, and I think we see this in a number of different ways. And and really, the the conflict is kind of how faith fits into public life, not so much personal life. So when you ask people whether or not freedom of religion makes Canada a better country or a worse country, the majority of Canadians, far more than than any other response, say that it makes Canada better, about 62%. Only 12% say that freedom of religion makes us actually worse off. But when you look at where faith fits and where religion fits into into Canadian society, it's less clear what sort of role that plays. And that's uh, on this question, for example, that we asked of, suppose you have a faith-based or religious upbringing, do you think that that helps to create good citizenship characteristics? Is that something that Canada should be focused on? And you get a a number of Canadians agreeing with that, but 42% disagree and say that that's not necessary uh, in, in modern society. 58% said they agree that a faith-based upbringing helps shape good citizenship. So still a majority, though I guess it's a little more evenly split. You do get 6 in 10 who say that, yes, they think that that's... That is a, a great thing to raise a child with, whereas others are not so certain. And there's another question that we asked that is, that is similar to that, but a little bit different, which is, um, do religious and faith communities in Canada strengthen Canadian values, uh, values like equality and human rights? And on that question, too, you get 50, 56% saying that they agree, and about 44% say that they disagree. You say there are equal numbers of Canadians who are public faith proponents or public faith opponents. Now, first of all, what exactly do you mean by that? There are generally questions about um, the role, the contribution of, of faith 
to life in Canada. There were seven questions on that. How relevant a person thinks that faith is, and whether or not they think that they feel their faith um, is, is respected in Canada. To me, that means public expressions of faith, like prayer in public places, uh, things like that. What you get uh, when you break down those mindsets is you get about 36% of Canadians who say that faith in public life is something that should be encouraged. It's something that makes Canada better, and it's something that we should be working more toward. Um, whereas you get about 35% who are uh, opponents of, of faith in public life. They're the type of people who would say, you know, you shouldn't have a public prayer at a, a city council meeting. That's something that's popped up in recent years. Was any of this informed by the furor over Bill 21 in Quebec, where outward religious symbols for, on public servants have been banned? Yeah, we actually, that, that is one of the questions that went into the index, is how comfortable are you with religious clothing um, in public life, in the workplace? And, uh, you know, as listeners might expect, in, in Quebec, uh, you know, 54% of, of respondents actually say that they feel uncomfortable with people wearing religious garments and symbols in the workplace. And it's, you know, it's a majority opinion elsewhere in the country that people... Um, are okay with those those symbols in public life. It's about six in ten, at least everywhere in Canada. It's it's up to seventy two percent in BC who say that people should be allowed to wear those. But it, there is an interesting um, fact that about one in four everywhere in the country do express um, some reservation about religious attire in the workplace. So it's not only in Quebec. It's certainly not a majority view elsewhere in the country, which is the real distinction. But it is, it's a divisive issue. So we're heading into the Christmas season, and a lot of people feel that there's a move to take Christ out of Christmas, to take the religion out of Christmas, uh, that uh, they can't even say Christmas, they have to mm-hmm. say holiday. So you have one in five Canadians feeling that society shuts out their faith. Is, is that what they're talking about? Yeah, there's those type of issues where they just don't feel as comfortable. And I should say, uh, it's, it's uh, evangelicals, Catholics, there's a good group of Protestants, really do feel like they can't express themselves comfortably um, without some sort of fear of repercussion or, or being shut out. We ask people at this time of year whether they prefer the term Christmas or they prefer the term holiday season. And, you know, saying Christmas in Canada is not controversial. We've got right now it sits at about 82% saying that Christmas is fine and that's, that's not something that we should be worried about. Would you say that any of this was informed by, well, the controversy over the conservative leader Andrew Scheer and his personal religious beliefs and him kind of not being that forthright about it for part of the campaign? Yeah, that was an interesting discussion. We actually asked some people about the, the religion and the role that it played in the campaign, and there's about one in five Canadians who say that they can't support a leader who was not pro-choice. But largely, I think it was more how Andrew Scheer dealt with that issue. Most Canadians say that it is an acceptable situation for, for a, a leader to hold views that are maybe more socially conservative um, if they're personal views and they don't affect legislation, which is what Andrew Scheer said. If you're in a situation where Canadians believe that, 
they actually are accepting of that. But one of the problems was I don't think that they really bought it from Shear. We consistently saw that people weren't really connecting with Andrew Shear. His personal approval was never really able to go above that 35 to 40 percent mark. So I think that it was less an issue of people being, um, you know, against his faith and more that they just, they didn't really um, buy into what he was selling them. Do people with the same religious backgrounds share the same views on religion in public life? Well, when you're looking at the public faith opponents, uh, a third of them say that they're Roman Catholic. There's a, a large group of mainline Protestants in there as well. There's 10% of evangelical Christians say that they're, they're actually opponents to faith in public life. When you look at conservatives, 38% of them are public faith proponents, but 39% of them are opponents, and they don't necessarily see a role for faith in public life, um, which is very close to the, the proportions of liberals that say the same. Everybody um, has quite diverse views on, on issues of faith in Canada, and I really I encourage people to, to dig in and kind of explore the numbers. I think it's a really quite a fascinating release. Okay. Dave Krasinski, thanks so much for being with us. Thank you. Anytime. Bye-bye. That was Dave Krasinski from the Angus Reid Institute. And that brings us to the end of this week's edition of the Zoomer Week in Review. I'm Libby Snymer. Thanks for joining me today. Be sure to come back next week to stay up to date with all things Zoomer worldwide. Zoomer Week in Review is produced by Zeev Hadi, Christine Ross, and Paul Thomas. Technical producer, Justin Eacock. Executive producer, Moses Nimer. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.